Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is the 18th day of February in the year 2022, and I will be talking with you today about the threatened war between Russia and Ukraine with the possible involvement of NATO, and that, of course, includes the United States. There are, as usual, a lot of hills to die on this week, including Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau invoking the Emergency Act to put down with force a peaceful act of civil disobedience in the Canadian truckers. We have also rising inflation, 7.5% in January, the worst in 42 years, resulting in Americans getting poorer each day as their wages are stolen by inflation, soaring rates of violent crime around the country. I have decided, however, to turn my attention to the plains of Russia and Ukraine, which have been fought over for centuries and are threatening the world again. The world is tired of war. It collectively groans at the thought of yet more blood and treasure expended for no good reason if we have war. It will again be a war of intelligence because the brave leader must rally the people to sacrifice to defeat yet another bloodthirsty dictator. Last week I told you that intelligence is provided to the president or the leader From a variety of sources, these sources know what the president wants, what he wants to do, and the intelligence they provide has a way of reaffirming and bolstering that decision. They gather it for him. He briefs congressional leadership to get them on board, and then the people are rallied. Even the New York Times is aware of this tendency, so allow me to quote from the Sunday edition, February 13th, New York Times, quote, Intelligence agencies prodded by the White House have declassified information which in turn has been briefed to Congress, shared with reporters, and discussed by Pentagon and State Department spokesmen. But the disclosures are complicated by history. Before the United States invasion of Iraq in 2003, the Bush administration released intelligence that officials said justified preemptive action, including reported intercepts of Iraqi military conversations, photos of mobile biological weapons labs, statements accusing Baghdad of building a fleet of drones to launch a chemical attack on the United States. The material was all wrong, reliant on sources who lied, incorrect interpretations of Iraq's actions, senior officials who looked at raw intelligence and saw what they wanted to see, end quote. Times goes on to point out that this time, though, this time it's different because we have such things as satellite imagery, so on and so forth. If you count the 15 years we were involved in Vietnam, then Desert Storm, with the intervening 10 years no-fly zone enforcement, 18 years in Afghanistan, we have been at war for something like 45 years. And as the Times points out, it was based for the most part on just a pack of lies. I won't go into the complete history of this dispute except to say that the Reagan-Gorbachev agreement that ended the Cold War broke apart. The old Soviet Union pledged that NATO would not expand into the border regions of Russia. That agreement was not honored. And in 2008, NATO invited Ukraine right on the border of Russia, but it declined. Ukraine declined. That was something Mr. Putin could not accept. Now he's pushing back. The problem is that Ukraine's location on Russia's border makes it an existential threat to Russia. Estonia in the north, Ukraine in the south have Moscow surrounded. Hitler 
had to cross a thousand-mile frontier with a supply line 2,500 miles long to get to Moscow, but the Ukrainian border is only 300 miles from Moscow. Putin can't and won't tolerate Ukraine and NATO, or even a Western-dominated Ukraine. Would we tolerate a Russian-dominated Mexico with Russian troops and missiles in Mexico? I hope not, folks. Will Putin invade Ukraine, thus possibly triggering a fall of dominoes similar to what started World War I? European leaders have been working feverishly, diplomatically, to prevent it from happening. But there are ominous signs. Emmanuel Macron, French president, Olaf Scholz, German chancellor, both went to Moscow to meet with Putin on separate missions. Both stopped first in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, to meet with Ukrainian President Zelensky, who seems to be in favor of toning down the rhetoric coming out of Washington. President Biden told Putin publicly that if he invades Ukraine, he can kiss the Nord Stream pipeline goodbye. That seems a little arrogant to me, folks, since the Nord Stream pipeline runs from Russia under the Baltic Sea to Germany. It obviously has nothing to do with the United States, but the statement seems to be one of, I'm in charge here. Well, when I say shut it down, they will shut it down. Russia is dependent on selling gas and petroleum to Europe. For 50% of its GDP, Russia and especially Germany are totally dependent on Russia for the gas to heat their homes in winter. Nord Stream would make the gas cheaper, which is important since Germany has the highest energy prices in Europe. It explains why the Europeans are nervous and are going to Putin with their hats in their hands. It appears that the Biden administration would rather Europe not be dependent on Russia. That keeps America in solid control of NATO. Still the senior member of the EU. That's just an exaggeration, folks, but not by much. I get the impression that the Europeans would like to change that. If they did, they would have to go their own way defensively as well. In fact, this controversy has the opposite effect from what Putin wanted and expected, at least in some ways. If he intended to weaken NATO and drive a wedge between NATO and the United States, thus dividing the Western alliance, he's failed to do that. NATO has gotten stronger. Almost all the countries are beefing up their own defensive capabilities. The Europeans have joined the United States in sending some of their best troops into the conflict zone. The U.S. 82nd Airborne Division is there now. The New York Times published a picture of National Guardsmen called to active duty dispatched to Ukraine once again, protecting the Ukrainian border from Russians, but not the United States border from its invaders. Will he do it? Will Vladimir Putin give the order and send hundreds of Russian tanks rolling across the Ukrainian frontier for much of this controversy? I've been of the opinion that he would not. He would not do it. And it was much ado about nothing, I thought, a way to deflect attention from the economic numbers here at home. Sometimes it seemed to me as if Biden was actually trying to provoke or goad Putin into the attack. Why would he do that? To deflect attention, as I said, and to bolster public support for the midterm elections coming up, the most likely reason would be because if an agreement could be reached between Europe and Russia, which respected Russian security and joined the two regions in mutual economic cooperation, everyone stood down from constant vigilance, then there would be no need for the United States in this deal at all. 
there would be no need for 60,000 American troops in Germany, let alone in Eastern Europe. There would be no need for American troops and missile bases in Romania and Poland. There would be no need for NATO, as a matter of fact. Everyone could live long and prosper. But is that just a pipe dream? Well, yes, I'm afraid so, folks, because it seems that the borderline countries are all buying into the intelligence or propaganda, if you will, even Finland and Sweden. I've entered into discussions about joining NATO. The other reason I've come to believe that Russia just may do it is that we've got your back deal that Putin just made with China. I quote from a recent statement by the Chinese defense minister, quote, standing in the face of frantic U.S. containment and pressure, China and Russia are united together like a great mountain. Our friendship is unbreakable. Together, we countered the hegemony of the U.S. and we opposed the fake democratic regime of the U.S. The fake multiculturalism, as well as new forms of manifestation of the Cold War, end quote. Fake democratic machine, regime and fake multiculturalism. A man has a way with words, doesn't he? Well, I'm a subscriber to the Center for Security Policy, which is an organization run by Frank Gaffney, who's about as knowledgeable as they come on Russian-Chinese affairs. Mr. Gaffney believes that two factors influence Putin's decision. The United States, through Biden's remark that there is not much we can do if Russia invades and by his pulling civilians out of Ukraine, has signaled that Ukraine is on its own. The second factor is the decisive one, and that is China. He believes that Putin and the Chinese have a deal to allow China to gain maximum glory and prestige from the Winter Olympics, and once that's over, then Russia would be cleared to go. The closing ceremonies of the Olympics are Sunday, this coming Sunday on the U.S. calendar, so next week, would be a pretty good guess. Putin could launch an attack that is short of an all-out military invasion through a combination of many different attacks, paramilitary, cyber warfare, psychological warfare, what Putin calls hybrid warfare in order to intimidate and force Ukraine's submission to Russian domination. It seems that the neocons and the chicken hawk liberals will not allow peace to happen. This war, this splitting of Europe, this constant attempt to intimidate a man who can't be intimidated is unnecessary. The failure of the U.S. to split the China and Russia alliance before it happened, make peace with Russia, was a great international disaster. Now, as a result, after the Olympics, we're facing a conflict on at least two fronts as China tries to pick off Taiwan while Russia goes for Ukraine. Perhaps North Korea and Iran will join in the fun as well. In conclusion... What does Putin really want? He has moved troops to the border, but not just infantry. The deployment includes armor, artillery, and special forces. The troops are the equivalent of 10 divisions equal to a U.S. Corps. He wants a promise in writing that Ukraine will not join NATO. No NATO troops will be stationed in Russia's border regions. The Ukrainian government will remain neutral and full operation of the Nord Stream pipeline will be allowed. The pipeline would give Russia the ability to turn off Europe's heat with the turn of a wheel so NATO would effectively be neutralized. The cost of fuel goes up for everyone, including the U.S., thanks to Biden 
making us energy dependent. Again, those are at least the things Putin says he wants. Finally, folks, will he do it? Only he knows for sure. But we should know something after Sunday. My own view is that this is economic. Biden has made it clear he will not militarily defend Ukraine, but he will destroy Russia's financial system if he can. Russia produces 10% of the world's oil and gas and over 50% of Europe's. Sanctions on Russian oil and gas are politically impossible because to shut off 10% of the world's oil supply would cause runaway inflation. Europe would be left freezing for those reasons. Further sanctions are an empty threat. My best guess is that some way will be found to give Putin what he wants without humiliating Mr. Biden. But time will tell, folks. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.